Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. Today we are excited to have a special guest who is a talented painter, teacher, and one of the organizers of Kubla Khan, Michael Kleiman. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for um, having me on. You know, um, not lo- I guess uh, a couple of years ago, we had kind of touched back and forth on Facebook, and then uh, we had the opportunity to actually meet at ReaperCon, w- which was awesome. So right. I'm finally excited to have you here on the show. I know that we had talked about uh, KubaCon in the past. Um, so before we kind of hop into that, can you give our listeners a little bit of an origin story, how you got into the hobby? Sure. Um, I actually started painting around the year 2000. I remember because um, my wife was pregnant with my daughter, who's now in college. Um, So it's been a little while. Um, Basically, I was in kind of a, I was in a graduate program in linguistics, and I was like, um, desperately unhappy. (laughs) And somehow I I started playing D&D with friends again after a long hiatus in in grad school there, because I was just surrounded with nerds. So um, it was a good place to... um, to uh, do that um, and um yeah i gotta ask so you were in a graduate level linguistics program surrounded by nerds yeah shocking <laughs> sorry my brother is phd is in linguistics a former linguistics oh, wow, so okay. yeah he, he's a giant nerd and all of his friends are as well <laughs> right, yes i mean the reason i was interested in linguistics was because of tolkien right so <laughs> so it goes it goes back um <laughs> But anyway, basically, uh, I just found uh, painting um, around that time because it was just it just helped me with my mental health, basically, at that time in my life. Um, and I really, I just really loved it right away. And I wasn't very good at the beginning, but I always wanted to just get better and better. It was really frustrating for a long time because I felt like I, I was not really gonna ever reach the level that I wanted to to get to, but I just loved it. So I just kept doing it and sort of with time and a lot of um, effort and lots of classes with amazing teachers, lots of feedback from amazing friends. Um, you know, I started getting better and better. I'm still not, you know, the level that I would like to be. I'm still uh, struggling a bit, um, but I'm pretty happy with sort of what I can put out. Um, but you know, there's always things I want to, uh, continue to work on. Do you remember who your first class was with? First class, I think it must have been Jeremy Bonamont. Um, yeah, I actually arranged for him to come. I was one of the arrangers. It was about the time that he put out his book, just a little bit after that. Um, and I was actually lucky enough, I helped him with some translations um, for his book too. Um uh, yeah, so I think he was the first, especially the big name person that I sort of attended a class with. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. It's I, everybody seems to remember their first class, you know, like, or, or the class that uh, kind of changed it. I guess with kind of the follow up with that, with that question is, um, when did you kind of decide or what kind of triggered you wanting to be more, I don't want to say more than, or uh, take your painting to a different level than necessarily tabletop, like to go more competition or display type pieces. I'm not sure what it was exactly. I just, it, I wasn't happy with what I was putting out, I guess. And I just wanted to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and really sort of my um, involvement with competitions was um, the way to do that. Um, I think competitions are really the best way to really get honest feedback about what you're doing. And um, it can be hard sometimes. Um but uh, I think it's that's um, yeah I think it's the best way. Right. Yeah. It's a, it, it can be a, a roller coaster, right? Because you're putting yourself right. out there, and then you are uh, basically putting a piece you put your heart and soul into into a subjective contest. Right. right. You know. So yeah, absolutely. Ups and down. Uh, ups and downs for sure. Um, right. So I guess I, I, one more follow up, kind of in this area. Um, you're in like you had said that you you still feel like your struggle etc on on p on areas is there like a a technique necessarily that kind of is a bee in your bonnet or thorn in your side or uh however whatever cliche you want to throw in there 
Um, I don't think it's really a technique. I think it's sort of just general, um, sort of like um, accuracy or like finesse, sort of, uh, we were just talking about um, the um, GW style. And so mm -hmm. like, I'm not the most um, precise painter, I think. So I think that's kind of what, um, that's my biggest weakness, I think. Um, uh, but um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, in general, it's not like a specific, uh, technique. Like I'm not great at, at wet blending, but I, you know, I get around that with, uh, glazing. That's kind of my, my, my way of doing blending more than wet blending. And I'll do a loaded brush, you know, sometimes if I need to, um, but for some reason, wet blending is difficult for me, but I just have found ways around it that I don't have to use that, that specific technique. I totally get the wet blending thing. Sometimes I look at what I did and I'm like, damn, that just looks like mud. You know, <laughs> I just mix some wet paints together. That's all I say. It looks like mud. Mm -hmm. um, well, cool. Loaded brush. Yeah, actually, I'm getting my first foray uh, next at, at Adepticon in the loaded brush. I'm looking forward to that with Ben Coma. It's kind of the the guru that, guru of it. So, Yes. Um, ben is one of the most amazing teachers. Oh, awesome. Um, I was actually, a few years ago, I actually went and spent a weekend with him in Berlin. Um, and that was really the thing that like blew my mind open and like really mm -hmm. started um, allowing me to sort of paint at a slightly higher level. So um, yeah, you're going to love Ben. I don't know if you've met him before. No, I haven't. He's just one of the greatest people and he's an excellent teacher and just a, such a, uh, you know, inspirational artist so anyway it's gonna be great wow that is a show in and of itself to have a conversation about going to germany to take a painting class that's awesome uh -huh. we'll, ha we'll definitely have to have that conversation at least at ReaperCon. you know <laughs> right. um that's awesome though okay so now then fast forward uh, uh you know uh, a couple years later you're on the other side of the table what what made you want to teach miniature painting i just enjoy teaching i'm actually a teacher i teach english as a second language mm -hmm. That's kind of what I did with my, you know, partial uh, uh, linguistics degree. I mean, I got a master's and stuff. But um, uh, so, and I think actually teaching miniature painting and teaching uh, language is kind of similar because you're not like lecturing, you're basically teaching a skill. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I break down, you know, um, a specific, you know, verb tense, for example, uh, for my students uh, who are learning English or the way I break down a specific skill in um, in miniature painting. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, overlap, right, in the way that I teach it, I think. Um, and I just really love doing that. Um, yeah, so um, that's the that's a big part of it. Also, um, it's great now, sort of, because I'm one of the organizers for Kublai Khan. It's actually super satisfying to be, um, you know, doing something for the painting community and, like, um, giving sort of giving back to the community, I guess. And that's kind of a cliche, but um, it's, it is super satisfying. And yeah, we're at the beginning stages of um, planning Kublicon now. So um, we'll talk about that more later, but mm -hmm. um, definitely the satisfaction is, is, um, is there. That's what I, what, what I love about it. Yeah, that's, fa that's fantastic. I, I, lo I love to hear about the giving to the community. I, I know, uh, you had mentioned at the beginning, you know, it was a mental health thing for you to start painting. And, you know, we're kind of, Dan and I are kind of the same way that it really is a head clearer. And there's been so many amazing people. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, our gift to them is this podcast. So, <laughs> our bad, right? Well, everybody loves your podcast. So, I'm, oh, don't, thank you. don't uh, be too self deprecating. Um, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> kind of got to keep us in check at some level you know what i mean um uh, right if, if i didn't do it my wife would and that's just not good for our marriage <laughs> um right. so al along kind of those same lines you uh could you talk a little bit about some of the miniature artists out there that have inspired you or um actually you know what we'll do this we'll start let's let, uh let's talk miniature artists and then maybe we'll go into different types of art that you might visually venture venture into or such but uh look who, who are miniature painters we already know we'll, we'll put ben comets out there because right you know definitely ben <laughs> um when i first started painting um there were two guys here in the bay area that were hugely influential to me um 
Uh, one is Derek Schubert. You might have met him at uh, ReaperCon. Mm -hmm. And the other is um, Laszlo Jakusowski. Jakusowski, sorry. Um, uh, they both became friends. And, you know, at the time, uh, like, we, I, would, I would go to KublaCon to compete. And at the time, it was... Um, it wasn't the open system. It was the what's it called? Where there's it's the the gold, silver, bronze. Right. Uh, there's a name for that. Um, anyway, uh, I would walk into Kublacon and I would see Derek there, and I would see Laszlo there, and I would say, okay, maybe I have a shot at third, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that kind of a situation. So, um, but anyway, they were hugely influential to me, and they gave me tons of feedback, and um, yeah, just became friends. Laszlo actually. Um, uh, suggested several, um, several, uh, like illustration books, um, for me to sort of learn more about composition and, um, and color and things like this, um, from the art world and the illustration world. So that was, uh, that was great. Um, then of course, Ben, um, he really helped me sort of understand um, like light and texture in a way that I hadn't really understood before. And then another really big influence is Alfonso um, Giraldo, mm -hmm. so Banshee. Um, I took a class with him. I was lucky enough to take um, his um, color theory class okay. mm -hmm. when he was still teaching it. And that kind of blew my mind too. Um, basically, I'm able to uh, mix colors now where before the class I wasn't able to um, and sort of get it get an effect that I want. Um, and that's all thanks to him. So those are the main people, I think. Nice. Yeah. All fantastic artists. Absolutely. Right. For sure. And uh, I've run into three of those four people and they're fantastic people too. You know, like a, I, I, well, I have never met Ben personally. I have interacted with him online and he's always very, uh, yeah. it's a, a very good heart, very good heart on, yeah. on Ben. All of them. All of them really. Yeah. Laszlo actually doesn't really paint miniatures anymore. He's doing 2D stuff now. Mm -hmm. But um, funnily enough, he <coughs> uses Reaper paints. Oh, in 2D. To paint on, the, to paint on canvas because he loves the Reaper paint so much. Well, there you He's go. Uh, absolutely. That's a, the, <laughs> hey, the cross uh, pollination between uh, mediums for sure, which that's a great segue uh, into are there artists outside of the miniature world that you look to for inspiration? I don't really have any sort of uh, off the top of my head. Um, there's the classics like, you know, Vallejo and, um, you know, uh, all those uh, fantasy fantasy uh, artists. But um, I'm kind of drawn towards um, Impressionism a bit. So um, I can't really say that they... Uh, they have much of an effect on sort of my miniature painting because, uh, you know, there's just not a lot of overlap, but I do really enjoy the way that they render, you know, color and light, especially, um, especially light. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say on that topic, but. No, that's okay. Um, and you know, and it's something like I, I've become a, but first of all, thank you for saying Vallejo because everybody says Francetta and I'm a huge Vallejo fan. I love, I've got a couple of books, uh, art books of Vallejo's um, that I, I adore, but. Uh, um, Francetta is awesome too. But yeah. Oh no. I mean, it's, 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 yeah, yeah. the king is the king, right? You know, <laughs> but when uh, I went to the Van Gogh experience with my family and hmm. I didn't leave there wanting to paint like Van Gogh, but I certainly left there. I, I, had to paint when I got home, you know what I mean? Like it was just mm -hmm. such a, right. you know what I mean? Inspiration in, in a different way, uh, per se. Um, you know, but I, 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 I totally get it. It's one of those things that, um, I don't know a ton of illustrator that people have asked me about those things. I really only know one comic book artist uh, who is my favorite. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Uh, people don't always have that necessary, uh, thing. So, um, you know what? I skipped over a question that I really, really like to ask. Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to cycle back a little bit to teaching, but how has teaching impacted your painting? Um, I think the beautiful thing about teaching is that it um, gets you to, it kind of forces you to break down your own process, mm -hmm. right? Because you have to um, do something that is kind of instinctual on some level, but then break it down into steps that people can sort of digest, right? So um, that's, it's really helped me sort of become more aware of uh, 
how I do things. And, um, you know, if I uh, am getting an effect that I don't like, then I'm able to sort of think about how, you know, what I'm doing and what I need to change. Um, for some reason, when I was a beginner and um, for a, a long time, actually, and sometimes I still find myself doing it, I tend to have this kind of um, really fast, short stroke, um, uh, like uh, movement. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why it's just sort of something that I do. Um, and so I had to sort of learn to, um, you know, be more conscious of what I'm doing with the brush brush. And that's one thing that I sort of uh, became aware of um, by breaking things down a little bit. See, that's interesting too, because you were probably doing it a lot out of muscle memory and people mm -hmm. don't realize that painting, you know, some of painting requires muscle, you know, learning muscle memory, learning, you know, especially I think in things like freehand and stuff, it's all about uh, muscle discipline and such. And so that's, a, that's, that's very cool that teaching kind of help you isolate and break down and critique your own, basically your own work, boy. Right. You know, and one of the things as a teacher, when you're teaching, you have to be able to see something a student's doing explain to them how it can improve and like give them a different process or I don't, cause I, I hate saying like, I always teach only basing classes. And so there's really, there are a few wrong things you can do with basing, but, mm -hmm. um, absent floaters, uh, floating on the, you know, <laughs> those type of things mm -hmm. or blocking your miniature, et cetera. Most of it's kind of subjective. So, um, that's very cool. I really, I, I appreciate that, Michael. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So, you know, I guess let's, without further ado, let's, let's dive right into Kubla Khan. Let's, let's first start, let's cool. do a little announcement slash advertisement for it. So why don't you give us the details of Kubla Khan? <laughs> Kubla Khan is a gaming convention on the West Coast. It takes place just south of San Francisco. Um, it's been around for 21 years. Um, and the thing that I love most about Kubla Khan is that it's super family friendly. Um, when my daughters were little, I would take them with me and um, we would play games together and we, um, uh, they would enter the painting contest and um, there's actually like a youth room where you can drop your kid off and they can play with other kids for a couple hours. Um, and it's just, um, it's really family oriented uh, in that way. And so that's one of the things I love most about Kubla Khan. Um, yeah, so it's a gaming convention. So there's more than just painting happening there, but uh, we have a lot of nice um, painting events that we um, have been running for a little while. Um, for a long time, I was just a volunteer and a couple, I guess last year, um, a few of us were sort of brought on as staff. So we're more involved now. Um, yeah, for the painting events, our lead is uh, Meredith Somavia. Meredith Somovia, and she, um, yeah, she's great. She's actually a principal of a, a, of a school, also another teacher. Um, so she's great at sort of keeping us uh, kind of, uh, you know, herding cats type of situation with all of, all of the others, all the other staff and volunteers and stuff. Um, she's a good painter too, by the way. Um, so, yeah, um, let's see, what else? Is there something... I can talk more about the painting events, I guess. Uh, yes, but why don't you give me the dates real quick? Because the more we say, yeah, the, sure, better, the, the better, the sure. better, you know. <laughs> um, it's actually a Memorial Day weekend mm -hmm. in, um, uh, you know, the end of May. So it's May 26th to 29th. And um, it's technically Friday through Monday. But um, to be honest, not a lot happens on Monday. Um, people are mostly just cleaning up. Um, there are a couple things that happened Monday morning, a couple games, a few games, and we have a few, uh, um, we have a few um, painting events happening, happening on Monday, but most of it happens Friday through Sunday. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's kind of like other conventions that go over holiday weekends. The Monday is kind of the buffer to back to the real world. <laughs> right. Exactly. Excellent. Okay. So. You started volunteering. You got pulled on the staff re recently. Um, how perspective? Why? Uh, you know what? We're gonna we'll ask influence questions or impact questions later. Let's talk more about about it. So let's start. I know um, that you offer classes there, painting classes. Can you talk about right. the painting classes? 
Sure, yeah. So they're convention-style painting classes. Um, we have a lot of great local talent, and we're bringing in uh, one uh, one person from out of town, too. So, um, yeah, in general, I'll, I'll give you the names in just a minute, I think. Sure. Um, but in general, they're usually two-hour classes, um, although we have a couple longer classes this time, too. Um, and, um, you know, it's focusing on uh, specific skills, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so things like painting faces and eyes. Um, uh, we're going to have a class on weathering. We're going to have a class on um, uh, David Diamondstone actually is a pretty big name here on the West Coast also. Um, you might have met him at ReaperCon also. Um, he does a really great class mm -hmm. on um, like advanced shading and highlighting. Um, so yeah, so our lineup right now is um, we're bringing in Chris Spots, nice. who you might know as a spotted painter. I met him at ReaperCon. Mm -hmm. Also, he's a like he's really an amazing painter. He's super fast, um, and um, he's kind of an interesting um, person to have on the schedule because he. Um, he does really high quality stuff super fast. So that's kind of what everybody wants, right? Right. Is to be faster and better. Um, and he has a pretty successful uh, commission business. He was telling me about um, some of the stuff that he did last year. Amazing. Um, I like Chris. He's such a super nice guy too. Yeah, he is. He's a great person too. Mm -hmm. um, and then another person we're really excited to have this year, we haven't been able to get um, previously, even though he is local, is David Powell. David um David uh, just uh, had a, a couple kids, so uh, up to now he hasn't been, plus with COVID and stuff, he wasn't, anyway, yeah, he wasn't able to come in the last few years. Um, but David Powell is an amazing artist also, you were just saying. Yeah, guest of the show as well, he's also been on the show. Oh, right. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, he's really an amazing artist and he's a really good teacher too, so uh, we're excited to have him. He's actually going to teach a class, he's going to teach a longer class, four-hour class, um, using a figure from Big Child Creatives, mm -hmm. so it's going to be a larger scale, larger scale um, painting class. So that's we're really excited about having him. Nice. Um, um, I'm pretty sure David Diamondstone is going to be there. Uh, actually, the deadline for people to turn in their class stuff is today. <laughs> so um, uh, there are some people who haven't turned it in yet. Um, I'm I'm uh, Quite hopeful that he'll be there. He's actually kind of a big name. Mm -hmm. uh, he's one of the best painters in California, I think, if not the um, the country. Um, uh, he does really amazing work, super detailed, and like um, like uh, kind of what I was saying that I aspire to a little bit more is um, super. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, technically, just like mm -hmm. a master. Right. Right. And then, but he also brings a ton of creativity too. So he's really an amazing painter. Um, is Dev uh, teaching this year? Dev is teaching. Yeah. Dev is teaching, uh, Dev is teaching a lot of classes. I think um, I really like uh, him to teach um, his uh, ethnic skin tones class. Yeah. That's something that, um, that uh, I think uh, is an important class to, uh, to offer. Mm -hmm. um, we just heard that, um, He's going to teach a class on um, weathering using the down and dirty paints. We just got a sponsorship from the from Goblin's Hut. Oh, nice! And the down and dirty paint. So, uh, yeah, he's going to offer a class on that. He's offering some other classes too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, so, other instructors. Uh, Israel Sanchez is an amazing um, army painter, also. But he, I mean, he's a, just a good. He's an amazing artist in his own right, but. He, he has a commission service. Have you heard of Israel? I have heard of Israel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, um, yeah, he's great. Um, he's teaching several classes. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, we have a local painter, AJ Klein, who's going to be teaching a couple classes. Um, nice. uh, we have, uh, we have, uh, my friend Roger Mark, who's, um, he mostly paints like Napoleonics, like those tiny little Napoleonics wow. and uh, and historical uh, things. But he's he's going to be teaching um, an airbrush class, kind of a beginner airbrush class, a um, couple of those. So anyway, we have like we're trying to get a lot of different kinds of uh, classes, and we're 
trying to get, um, you know, especially the best local uh, talent that we have. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you have a lot of good resources in that area too. You know, we're not far yeah. off, you know, kind of like, you know, that yeah. y'all are kind of lucky. <laughs> we're kind of area, on, yeah. on the East coast. <laughs> yeah. Bay area. That was another thing that, um, kind of helped my growth also was I was in San Diego in the southern, the very southern bottom part of uh, California. And I moved up to the Bay Area mm -hmm. up here. And um, there's just there were just more painters up here and more more people to connect with. And, uh, you know, that's how I met Derek and Laszlo. And yeah, so that was a huge thing for me is just moving to the Bay Area and being around all these other great painters. Nice, nice. Now, it sounds like an awesome uh list of artists and fantastic topics. So if people want to learn more about the classes, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. So that way you can get a more detailed description uh, when I'm sure when those, those aren't available yet, correct? Right. They're not available yet, but we will have a, um, we have a website that hasn't been updated just because we, we don't have all the information yet, but um, we'll give you the website to link. Um, and uh, also Facebook is a good place to go. Um, Facebook and Instagram is a good place to go. Just look for... Um, um, to find out more information. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it's Kublo Awards on Facebook and then um, Instagram. Like Kubla Painting or something? I just saw yeah. a post of, uh, from Kubla. Like when I opened Instagram a little bit earlier, there was a Kubla Painting, yeah. yeah. Google painting. That's right. Um, perfect. Perfect. Okay. So now um, we got the classes out of the way. Let's talk about the painting competition. Okay. Um, so the painting competition is an open system. So um, it's kind of the thing that people are doing nowadays that was taken from the IPMS system where we don't just have first, second, and third place and everyone else is a loser. Right. <laughs> right? Um um, you enter the contest and you get judged based on criteria. Mm -hmm. And so there could be multiple gold award winners, multiple silver award winners, multiple bronze award winners. Um, this is super important for growth, I think, and sort of um, for keeping people, uh, you know, engaged and motivated. Um, yeah, we have two uh, categories, two, well, three, actually, three categories um, one is kids, so it's 16 and under. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, journeyman, which is um, kind of, you know, uh, beginning to intermediate levels. And then we have masters, which clearly is um, the more advanced level. Mm -hmm. um, and so each of those is um, judged in an open system. Um, so, yeah, so the journeyman category is really uh, like the ultimate goal is to sort of help people move up into the master's category. Right. So the information, the feedback that we give is kind of um, designed to, to, uh, to help people do that. Um, and in general, journeymen, um, like, mm, actually, my, Michael Proctor, who is the person who runs um, the ReaperCon uh uh, painting competition. Yep. Um, Clever Crow Studios. Yep. Right. Clever Crow. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he explained something to me when I first started judging uh, at ReaperCon. And um, at ReaperCon, it's also open. It's a little bit different. But basically, he said, when you look at a figure, um, you should kind of consider it being silver. And then ask yourself, is there something that um, something great about it that might push it up into gold? Or there are some weaknesses maybe that could be improved that might push it down into bronze, but um, you're kind of going into it looking at looking at it as a silver, um, and that's really how I um, tell my judges to think about the journeyman category, mm -hmm. where like a silver in journeyman is um, it's a cleanly painted figure um, that just looks good on the table. Um, and you know, it has some shading and highlighting and it just looks, it looks good. Right. So these, these are all subjective, but, um, um, we try to be, you know, we try to bring as much, uh, objectivity into it as we can. Um, and so, yeah, um, if you 
start to do um, some more advanced techniques. Maybe you're doing some freehand or you have really great non-metallic metal or you have really great true metallics. Um, you know, the face is really good. These, these are the kinds of things that um, will push it up into the gold for journeyman. Um, yeah. Um, do they have like best of category awards too, or, cause I know a lot of times like, uh, like, so for like the Nova open, like if you win best in category and journey in a journeyman thing, you're expected to be in masters next year. Right. Um, is that kind of um, the same way for Kublik? We don't do that for journeyman. Actually, that's actually an interesting idea. Mm, I'll, I'll bring that up with the team best in journeyman. We hadn't really considered that before we have best in show, which is uh, on the master's level. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we have other prizes um, also that are mostly one one shots, like not for second, third. Um, right. And those are like best um, best uh, conversion. Um, mm -hmm. And we have lots of manufacturer awards, so we get um, you know we'll have like best metal king, right? Um, metal king figure, best uh, Bing Chow creative figure. Mm -hmm. best reaper figure this kind of a thing oh nice excellent so um, yeah that gives uh different types of challenges too right right absolutely it's wonderful and so how many entries do you think you typically get like how, how how have the entries been um we usually get between like 80 and 100 mm -hmm. last year i think we got like 95 brilliant mm -hmm. brilliant and um it's i think it was like two-thirds journeyman and a third masters last time makes sense yeah yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. I wanted to specify about how we sort of approach judging for masters. Mm -hmm. It's different in that um, we don't go into it thinking that everything's going to be a silver. Um, so it's a much sort of more flat um, uh, uh, sort of way of uh, approaching a figure when you first um, look at it. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know how much more detail you want me to go into. It kind of um, actually, if you want to look at the rules, they are posted on the website. Also, um, we're actually yeah. That's, I don't need to go into much more detail about that. Huh. Um, well, masters is kind of hard, right? Because people, you know, does like for for Kublai Khan, if somebody won a gold medal at a, at let's say a ReaperCon and painters. Would you expect mm -hmm. them to be in Masters at KublaCon? Probably. Probably. Okay. So that's, but I know that's not the case for like, I know the judges at Nova Open don't automatically think that. You know what I mean? That and so mm -hmm. like it's just it really it's kind of con specific. You know what I mean? Like, right. And how you know the feel for it, but that's that's cool. That's a good way to kind of. So if you've been to other conventions. Uh, that that if our listeners have been at other conventions, that kind of plays out that that way. I I would think if you got like a bronze at ReaperCon at the Kill Team Open, um, you'd probably be judging because uh, <laughs> it's just a small, you know, it's a it's a pure gaming convention that we've been trying to inject a painting a painting into for the last couple of years. So, um, uh -huh. but so that's 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 awesome. And so, what what does your attendance typically look like number wise? Um, overall, um, I think it's um, around twenty four to twenty six hundred. That's nice for the whole convention. That's brilliant. That's a good. That's yeah. a good convention. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I can't deal with more people than that. <laughs> I think I would hide under yeah. the table. <laughs> you know, the venue is real, real nice. Um, it's not too hard to get a hotel room. They might be sold out soon, um, but it's not that hard to get them. Um, it's just a fun weekend, I think. So why don't you tell us yeah. then, what is the, what is the venue? Um, it is, uh, maybe, uh, let me double, yep. double check. Here. I do it all the time. I, I had to do that all the time with kill team open. I had to have a sheet of paper next to me going, okay, it's yeah. at the Overhills mansion. You know? <laughs> I should have, I should have prepared that. Um, so it's at the Hyatt Regency in, uh, Burlingame. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah. If you just. Uh, Google KublaCon, you'll see, you'll see all the information you need to go to the con. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think uh, we're having difficulties with our uh, painting events website, um, so it might be difficult to Google that. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to figure that out actually, um, but um, yeah, you can go to KublaCon. Awesome! It sounds fantastic. I, I wish. 
I would be there if I didn't have this stupid wedding. Why do people got to like, like we're still dealing with the post COVID. Everybody's like, okay, now we get married, you know, like type type of thing for sure. Um, we're always next year. We'd love, we'd love to have you next year. Probably, yeah, absolutely. Anything to bring a convention down, you know, <laughs> there goes the neighborhood. Um, my wife loves California. Actually was looking at, she was looking to move out there a lot. So a few different times before we got married. Um, it is yeah. one other rain of side note with this that I have to throw out there. And I don't want to, I, I don't want to forget the one thing we have not talked about yet is your giant ass pizza oven in the backyard <laughs> and we got to talk i we can't uh, i i i'm i'm one of those people that constantly eats while i paint i constantly munch and snack and stuff and so the concept of how do you do that i can't eat while i paint oh my goodness it's just you get, like stuff on your fingers and i wear gloves and um I just, you get stuff you. Yeah. I just always, uh, have some form of a handle and you only, I never, uh, I never eat with my right hand while painting because that's the right, that's the one that's okay. at a risk of touching the miniature. So, but okay. no, I'm constantly. <laughs> so the fact that you have a giant pizza thing in the backyard, I would, my kids would be so sick of pizza. <laughs> It, it's been heartbreaking because uh, usually we will fire it up once or twice a month, but the weather has been so cold and rainy mm -hmm. in California. Um, yeah, we were just able to uh, do get in some pizza last weekend, and it was the first time in a couple months, and it's already cold and rainy again today. So oh, that stinks. Uh, yeah. So what what inspired you to go put something like that in your backyard? Because <laughs> I look at it and I think of it as a piece of art. So I. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like, it's my happy place. It's one of my, one of my happy places, like sitting at my desk and painting with a podcast or some music is also definitely a happy place. Um, but you know, I get the fire going, you know, the, the, the temperature gets up to like eight, 900 degrees. Um, uh, and you know, friends are coming over and we're making pizzas together and cooking them. And, you know, um, I just love it. It just it makes me so happy to, to be able to do that. Um, I, uh, so anyway, I had a friend who was a um, landscape architect. He told me about uh, like a client of his that built a pizza oven in his backyard. And I was like, what? Is that even possible? Um, and so, yeah, I did some research. And I found actually a company here in California that sells kits where they just like ship you this big crate and you put it together. Um, I actually had a mason do it because I'm, uh, you know, it would have been my first time ever. I didn't want to screw it up. Um, but, um, yeah, so I had this really uh, talented mason put it together for me. And I did a ton of research. And um, I was really shocked because the first time we made pizza, it was, like, really good. <laughs> now, were you able to, like, parlay this into, like, kids' birthday parties? Sure, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the perfect kids' party. Make your own pizza, right. you know. Yeah. In fact, uh my daughter, my youngest daughter is um, in, on a swim team and they're going to have a team bonding uh, sort of party here. And so I'm going to be making pizza for, you know, uh, 20, 16 year olds in a couple of weeks. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Sounds like a lot. It's a way to keep them happy, right? Right. <laughs> you know, right. And with the, with the beauty of a pizza is that if they can, you know, put their own toppings on it so they can't complain, you know, like, <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like that. Right. You know, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So have now have you cooked other food in there besides the pizza? Yeah, I cook pizza? tons of things. Yeah. Um, one of the things I love to do actually is um, I don't have a smoker, but um, uh, if you um, if you close the oven after you're done cooking, you have to don't, don't close it when the when there's a flame because you'll get a backdraft explosion. <laughs> so don't do that. But you let the flames die down and you close it up. Um, it'll keep its heat for the next day. Um, so what I do is I kind of keep the door open and close it and manage the heat a little bit. And then I, um, do some smoking in there. So I'll smoke some ribs or something the next day. Cause there's enough heat left over. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, there are whole, you know, there's cookbooks based on sort of like taking advantage of the, um, the way that the oven retains heat over time where, you know, you do pizza when there's a fire and then you let it cool a little bit and then you can do bread and then, you know, like, you know, um, as it gets cooler and cooler, you can like melt beef tallow to, you know, to make a, you know, to, you know, 
just you know crazy stuff which i haven't really gotten into the into all of it but um yeah it's pretty fun it sounds you know the the best uh prime rib i've ever had hmm. was done all with residual heat mm -hmm. off of something like basically it was i don't remember what it might have been a pizza oven type of thing i'm not sure but it was definitely in somebody's backyard uh -huh. but they had made pizza the night before and in that morning right put in a prime rib right and it kind of cooked for like six hours right. but it was absolute perfection That's you exactly. know <laughs> you're giving me ideas you, here yeah yeah and then somebody said when you said melted beef and i'm like yeah that 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 really is how you kind of ate that <laughs> it's kind of melted uh -huh. this thing of beauty right um yeah oh, i'm glad i already ate lunch because i'd be starving <laughs> if i didn't but i have a I have, I have a dinner date with my uh my oldest is in college my middle child is doing a sleepover my youngest and i are together because mm -hmm. my wife's got wine club i mean book club <laughs> um and so now i'm like what do i want for dinner i, I can't decide between pizza or steak so <laughs> but you know yeah. come out to california and we'll make some pizza together it's it's a blast oh that sounds amazing that, that sounds like so much fun too plus you know I, there's an art to that too, you know, <laughs> there's an art to good pizza because bad pizza is really bad. <laughs> right. Awesome. So, um, for KublaCon, we've kind of got, we've gone through the logistics of it. Um, maybe I'd like to say also the other things we do besides the contest. Absolutely. So Go for we it. have yeah, a huge, ask about events and stuff. Yeah. We have a huge paint intake, um, thing that just goes on all weekend we have like 40 seats it's always packed super popular we get lots of um great figures from our sponsors and so we're hugely thankful to them um, we're still working out who it's going to be but for sure we'll have um uh figures from reaper and uh from metal king who does um relic blade um right Let's see. Um, Dev is always trying to get, he's like, we're going to play Relic Blade at ReaperCon. Uh -huh. We're going to play Relic Blade. Yeah, yeah. And so then he disappears on me. And so. Yeah. <laughs> Relic Blade is fun. It's a really cool, really cool game. It was actually designed by someone who lives here in Napa with me. So, um, nice. yeah, we're, yeah, it's a fun game. And the figures are like really unique and really fun to paint. Um, so awesome. I really recommend Relic Blade to everybody. Um, Let's see. So we have paint intake and we also have a speed paint uh, contests. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to do like 12 speed painting contests this, this, uh, this year. Um, and then everybody who wins will be invited to the master speed painting contest who, and then, you know, there'll be like a one person, uh, who, uh, wins, wins it all. Um, nice. Winner take all the speediest right. masterful painter. That's yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, um, uh, let's see, I guess that's the classes. Um, let's see. Um, so uh, do you have, else? um, it's a gaming convention. Does that mean you have like games for board game, uh, like rooms for board games or is there a specific? Yeah. Yeah. There's tons of, uh, other games to play. Of course. Um, there's lots mm -hmm. of, uh, role-playing games. There's miniature games, there's board games. Um, they have a lot of, they have great stuff at KublaCon. There's like a board game library where you can just go borrow a game for a couple hours and, mm -hmm. and play with your buddies. Um, yeah, there's tons to do at KublaCon. So there's not, it's not a specific game convention with other stuff. It's just a gaming convention. What do you mean specific with other So like Nova Open is 80% Games Workshop, mm -hmm. LVO Games Workshop. Mm -hmm. So this, this, is a, this isn't a Games Workshop event. It's just a gaming event. Exactly. But okay. there are Games Workshop events also. Oh, of course. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things. It's nice to have options, though. You right. know, you know, that's there's no no fault of it is what it is, right? You know, they are the big dog in in the, in the fight, but it's nice to have options. Sure, you know, to be, be able to go play you play right. other games at different conventions and stuff. So exactly, that's excellent. So we have uh, board game rooms, bunches of gamings that are established, things, even things like role-playing games, painting classes, uh, uh, painting uh, competition. Uh, it sounds like Kublai is an absolute blast, man. It is. Super fun. It's really my favorite convention. Um, my second favorite is ReaperCon, um, just because that's all painting. Um, and that's right. just an amazing thing. 
But I really love KublaCon. It's my local convention too. So, you know, we have a special place in our hearts for our local conventions. But um, I really love that it's, I, you know, I brought my daughters there when they were little. And like I said mm -hmm. already, and it's, it's a great place. That's awesome. Yeah, I, really, I yeah, that's a, that's definitely on the, the high up to do list for sure for next year. And we can definitely talk about, <clears throat> we've already started talking a little bit about a potential of something else with that. So <laughs> I won't spoil any of that fun. Cool. So um, let's circle a little bit back to painting. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll kind of piggyback off it. Has there anything about painting that you have learned by being more active in a convention? Um, I don't know. Being more active. I think it's, I just find, um, you know, bringing painting to other people super fun and satisfying. Um, I think it's just a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, I think really, um, I like the more active response too, because it forces you to actually do something with the hobby uh -huh. instead, you know what I mean? Like you're actually doing, <laughs> I'm sure there are times that you want to paint that you have to work on Kublai Khan and vice versa, right? That you're, you, you know, you're, you need to paint, but you're more interested in working on Kublai Khan than painting, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily both are kind of hobbies. So, but mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, it is fun and satisfying to set up a great um, event or a great convention or, you know, line up great, um, you know, sponsors or something. It's really satisfying. and I'm really excited for um, the attendees to sort of, uh, see what we're doing. And yeah, we, um, you know, uh, there's never a perfect con, you know, things always go wrong. Um, you know, we make mistakes. Um, but in general, um, uh, in general, it's super fun and super satisfying and, um, yeah, it's great. We like it. Perfect. Perfect. So then now, um, to continue on the painting one, um, we kind of start to wrap up the podcast with a few different questions. And mm -hmm. the first one is, are there miniatures out there that you or a miniature you're out there that hasn't been made yet that you would be interested in? And of course, if you've listened, you've heard me say the Stephen King Dark Tower series mm -hmm. people. I can't say Quicksilver anymore because I've painted it. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Is there any or is there a, a storyline you'd like to see something from? I don't think there are any figures from Sandman that I, that I know of. Um, like Neil Gaiman, yeah, Sandman? Uh-huh. Ooh, that would be that's a good one. That would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if it, you know had both versions of him with his helm and out mm -hmm. or something. You know. Oh man, I get the brain churning. I, lo <laughs> I, I love the comic book. I, I actually wanted people to really love the show too. I enjoyed the hell out of watching it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and so I know it got. I, they finally they finally agreed to the second season. Right. Yeah, I, love <laughs> I guess it was their most expensive show ever. Really. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the big thing because I, it, it's funny. I met, um, I actually briefly met Neil Gaiman through oh, a nice. painting, like a, a writing group, mm -hmm. um, a long time, a long time ago. Um, very cool dude, but, he, but I've been following him kind of ever since, right. and uh, a lot of stuff that he was posting when Sandman came out was, Hey, you got, you got to keep watching. It's got to hit these numbers and they're not going to, uh -huh. they're not going to renew it. Cause it's the most expensive show they've ever done. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> which seems crazy given other stuff that's been done. Right. You know, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then, um, you know what? I might, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a few lightning round questions at you then. Cause we got the, we still got the time. Okay. Um, in a lightning round, basically, I'm going to ask you some quick questions, some questions that are fun, and uh, you give us the answer off the top of your head, and you got to be truthful, though. <laughs> okay, no lying. Like, okay, I'll try. No lying, no lying. For example, are you a brush licker? Yes. Nah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. That's okay. You're in the majority of the people on the podcast. I think the only one so far besides me has been uh, Anthony Wang. So, uh, and that uh -huh. was our last guest. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Yeah. 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 Second, the uh, second question would be, when's the last time you drank your paint water? It's been a long time. Uh, I know now to not keep drinks um, basically on my desk. If I do have a drink on my desk, it's on the corner. Mm -hmm. And so it's not anywhere near uh, the paint. The paint water. 
So it's been a yeah, while. I still haven't learned that lesson. I did it yesterday. <laughs> to- totally picked up my cup. Like, oh God, Lamy and Median's terrible mixed with this water. <laughs> you know. So I don't know what's I don't know what's worse, but the brush licking or drinking your paint water. I don't brush lick, but I guess uh, it's probably just as bad to to do that. Okay, so non-metallic metal or true metallic metals? Yes. And why? Yes. 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 Oh, wow. you like them both equally? Well, I think they're good for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are doing a competition piece, you probably need to do non-metallic. Um, it just gives you a lot more control over the way the light hits and um, you can get the reflections in there. You can just be a lot more creative in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I love a good metallic paint too. Most of my gaming figures or like the commission figures that I paint, which are usually gaming level, like high gaming level, um, I'll use metallics on those. Um, I think they look nice on the table, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get good, um, Good, good results from um, metallic paints too. If you shade and highlight them in the same way that you would do non-metallic metal. And um, another thing is, I think non-metallic is much better for photographs. Yeah. Um, so you know, why do we have to choose one? Fair point. Fair point. That, <laughs> although, if you read the internet, you have to choose one. You know, that's all in the internet. It's one way or the other, right? And one one is real, and one's just showing off. So. <laughs> <laughs> The gods of the brush have descended and determined that you may only paint with one paintbrush for the rest of your life. What is that paintbrush and what size? Raphael 1. Nice. Is that the 8404s? Yes. Nice. Nice. Always, always got a... We're not evenly split, but we're definitely picking up more speed on the Raphael side. I'm a, I'm a Raphael painter as well. Yeah. Maybe I would go zero actually more than one, but yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I find that that... If there was like a uh, a 0. 0.5, mm-hmm. it would be the world's perfect brush. Mm-hmm. Like between that zero and the one, because mm-hmm. it's kind. Of, I don't know. I, I but I, I I love them. They're probably hands down the best glazing paint brushes out there. Fat, nice fat belly that doesn't pool. Right. Anyways, I could talk about that forever. I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, again. Um, you're stranded on a desert island and it only can bring one type of this with you. Would you bring heavy body acrylic, an uh, acrylic ink, model paints, or oils? Uh, specifically Reaper paints. Specifically Reaper paints. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why? Um, we'll do a little free advertisement for Reaper here. I just love Reaper paints. <laughs> uh, when I was in grad school and I was, you know, first getting into it, the first thing that I ordered was a Reaper Learn to Paint kit. Mm-hmm. And they gave me like a a little um a little army guy with like um uh chainmail, you know, chainmail skirt or something. A li- not an army guy, a little uh knight yeah. guy with chainmail skirt. And I was so excited. I did all this research while it was arriving and I um I finally got it and I did a dry brush and a wash and the wash like seeped into the crevices. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so fucking awesome. Sorry. So awesome. no, we, we drop that bomb all the time. <laughs> so I was just so excited by that one thing. And just ever since then I've been a reaper person and um, yeah, um, it took me a long time to be able to finally get to their convention. Um, but I just really love the paints and the way that they are designed. Um, um, they're really, uh, Possibly, um, you know, I think they're good for glazing and, um, uh, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why I'm more of a glazers because I use Reapers more. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really like Reapers. Plus, Reaper people are really great. Um, Ann Forster is the, is the person who designed them and she's actually local here now too in California. She lives in the um, South Bay area. Anyway, I, just, right. I love Reaper in general. I- I was really surprised she's not teaching at KublaCon. Yeah. But that, she's she's busy. She uh published a book. Yeah, no, there's a bazillion <laughs> things that could be. She wasn't at ReaperCon last year, so mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah, there could be a billion. There's a billion reasons, I'm sure, you know what I mean? Yeah. Such, such as life out there. But um well, awesome. Well, thank you for participating in the lightning round. I really appreciate it. I kind of threw some older questions out there at you. Yeah. So check your, uh, <laughs> see if you've arrived and asked the, the paint, uh, the paint ones in, a, in quite a while. Uh-huh. Um, 
And so then, uh, with, with that being said, uh, kind of wrap up with one of uh, the my favorite question that I get to ask. Is there any advice that you could give our listeners as they continue their journey to become better, braver, happier painters? I think it is, um, for me, it was community, um, getting to know people kind of in person, but not only in person, online is great too. I mean, we're all doing that now. But to have a, a community um, of people around you who are better than you is like uh, huge in terms of becoming a better painter. Um, mm -hmm. Also, uh, entering competitions is a great way to become better and better, although it is, um, it can be difficult at times, right? If you don't get the result that you expected, it can be, um, can be difficult, but that's also a good thing. Um, you know, it's good to sort of be, to be forced back into the beginner mind, um, uh, sort of a mindset. Um, mm -hmm. um, but also, uh, paint what you love and don't paint necessarily for contests or to please judges or, you know, to even, well, it's, it's hard. I kind of have, it's not really a love hate relationship with, com with competition, but it's, uh, kind of, uh, complicated, I guess, because, mm -hmm. um, you can't, you have to paint for yourself, but, um, in order to get better, you, I, I think it's good to, um, to be engaged with, uh, competitions too. So I think both of those things, you have to kind of find your own balance, I guess. Yeah. And it's hard. It's, it's kind of hard to, to find the balance and, um, there's some hum humility that has to be involved in competing too. Right. You know, so I totally get what you're, what you're saying. All right. So Michael, why don't you tell us where to find you and then tell us where to find, uh, the convention. Okay. So, um, the convention, just go to kublacon.com. So that's K U B L A C O N.com. Um, Perfect. the best place to find information about the painting events right now is the Facebook page. Um, uh, because I think our, um, uh, our website is not updated yet for this year. It might be another month or so before we get there. Um, so just on Facebook, uh, just search, uh, actually Kubla awards, uh, Kubla brush awards. It's called. Okay. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, uh, under Kubla brush. And, um, we're going to be putting out a lot more, um, stuff in the next, uh, you know, couple months. Um, some really nice photos of past winners and um, some events that we've done in the past. So, Do you have um, a ticket launch date yet? Um, we do not, but I think it'll okay. be, um, it'll be within the next month, I think. Perfect. Perfect. Well, M Michael, thank you let so me, much for sharing your journey. Let me, sorry. Oh, oh, your stuff. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Hold on. I apologize for kind of jumping in there. That's okay. So anyways. Um, so then my stuff, you can find me at, um, on Instagram also at M Kleiman, but it's spelled kind of strangely. So it's M C L I M B I N, okay. um, at, uh, on, uh, Instagram and you can see my stuff there. Um, and, uh, probably in the next couple of months, you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of advertising for Kublacom there too. So perfect. And we'll put, like I said, we'll put links to you and, and the convention into the show notes. Uh, so that way our, our listeners can, uh, can enjoy the, the, the convention and the beauty of your artwork. Cause it is fantastic. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. And so thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, to talk to us. Thank you so much for um, allowing me to come on here to talk about KublaCon. And um, I'm really honored. It's, you had so many awesome, just like, um, you know, inspirational painters on, on this podcast. And uh, so thank you. Thank you a lot for including me. Dan and I would like to thank Michael Kleiman for joining us today. Uh, really enjoyed hearing about your painting experience and journey, as well as upcoming KublaCon. 
Make sure you check out KublaCon.com for any updated information about the convention, or you can also follow the links in the show notes to check out Michael's work. And again, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. We also have a Patreon where we're trying to provide uh, some excellent content and uh, as well as uh, some merch to our listeners and supporters. Uh, so thank you very much if you have the opportunity to join us there. You can also drop us an email at listeningtopaintry at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, comments, concerns, complaints. I know we were just at Adepticon and uh, I did hear some complaints about uh, saying I would be on a regular schedule and we're not. Well, you know what? You were absolutely right. Uh, so we're not going to say that anymore. And we are going to try to just be better and more timely with episodes, especially now that Adepticon has passed. And so you don't have to have a massive pizza oven in your backyard to become a better, braver, happier painter. But it sure wouldn't hurt. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.